0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week we have Nick Suma in here with us.
1: What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Yeah,
0: man, Nick. um, uh, Let's see, where do we start? Nick owns. First of all, let's just talk about the bars you own because that's you know, You own Geno's at the top of the hill right right here on Denison and uh, Harvard, almost right where they come together, right 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 by the bridge. Yeah, right. right. uh,
1: I flipped my mountain bike down that thing one time. Really? Was brutal. I almost got ran over in traffic. Yeah, yeah your dad used to own
0: that at yeah. Gino's, but now you've, yeah. your dad has passed recently. Mm. We'll talk about that. Okay. Um, you also own the old Brooklyn Social Club? Yep. And that's on what? Broadview? Uh,
1: Broadview Road, yeah. About a block up from where all the streets come together. Yep. Like and, yeah.
0: And the main place, for us at least, that you own yeah. is the Maple Grove over there in Maple Heights. Absolutely. Which were the level up concert series. Concert will be... At I mean that's where we're doing it at. We're gonna have uh, Alethea there, Bittersweet Revenge there, and uh, Craig Martini. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be cool. Yeah, though. hell yeah, that'll be June 10th. Mm-hmm. And you own that
1: bar, long time.
0: And we'll talk about a little bit about that bar specifically because you've done a lot to that place. And there's a that bar is a, it's like a, it's well it's kind of like a Cleveland uh, whatever you want to call it, but yeah. it's a venue. It's one of the best music venues around for right the on. smaller. For saying that. Yeah, yeah, for the smaller so. v- venues that are out there, there's not one better.
1: Yeah, I'm a band guy, and I built it for bands.
0: Yeah, and you, you, you were really always did. in a music thing. You, yeah. you you end up getting this bar. You could you could make it two levels, and yep. it did, and it's got a bar on top. It's got the bar on the bottom. I think when Terry from Alathea was in here, he described it best. He was saying... He's like, you know, it's great. You can come in. You go upstairs. There's going to be a great band playing. You got a bar. You got people serving you drinks. It's all right within a couple feet of each other. You yeah. don't have to go far. And if you get hungry, you just take a little walk downstairs. They got food. You can right. order food. You keep drinking. Everyone's sure. happy. It's got, it's got a, the
1: patio. It's, yeah, pretty yeah cool you setup. can do it.
0: And I love, one thing I love about that place is it's got Amp, Amp, ample parking it's the, the parking there is not like anywhere else where you've got enough parking for everybody right, right. you're not parking on the streets you're not parking it's, it's a beautiful parking lot it's sure. an awesome place to go see a show excellent man. thanks for saying i right. i think so I, i've yeah. always thought so i've played right. there a few times pat and i have played we've played there mm-hmm. we've come there on a few jam nights you do the jam nights there also
1: 17 years i did every thursday i think i missed three in all those years yeah and you've and all... that's really when i i became a good player you know what I mean I was always a rocker dude but yeah just jamming every Thursday for with other people and all that kind of stuff I would turn around some days there'd be a whole different set of people like the band like wow where'd these guys come from right That's cool Yeah. Yeah, And
0: you always had, you was, you know, that place always had a real good sound system. You always had a, you you know, basically when you'd play at your place, you were one of those first places where you came in, you took the door. If you were the band, you let the band, whatever they brought in, whatever they sold, you gave them all of that. Basically, you were just saying, sell me some drinks, guys, get some people in here. That's what you're here to do. They got the door. And they, you would, you would even provide the sound guy. You provided all Everything, that. Everything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a really, it's a, it still is. I mean, it's still the same yeah, setup. We
1: always four bands tonight. Yeah, so, I mean, like yeah. you
0: always, there's always I mean, stuff going on there, and we're happy that we're we're involved in that. And we're right gonna, on. Yeah, I can't, I can't. I'm happy wait. that
1: you guys are having me here. You Hell guys yeah. are cool. Like, uh, the rock and roll has always been grassroots. Uh, I mean, that's how you market this stuff, and you guys are 21st century grassroots. You know, I appreciate that yeah, a lot. It's huge. Man. I'm a fan of the show. Yeah. You
0: got and, and Geno's real quick, that was where we shot the Spooktacular. That was where we right. shot the the uh, yeah. Halloween episode where we had uh, Ricky Ray. Yeah, he's down a there. Caring, man,
1: that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you love Ricky Ray. You <laughs> yeah. were telling me we had you we were like, oh yeah. my gosh, some of my favorite guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome.
0: And we had Ed Miller, we had Mike Webster, and we had Angel Devide. Yeah, we had all them guys down there for that too. And you own all these bars, and yeah, a lot of you know you're a pretty popular guy. A lot of people know who Nick oh, is cool. and stuff like That's that, nice. you know, yeah. because you're also in the music scene. Yeah. and you're also in a band called the Cleveland Steamers, which you're in right now. It's just punk rock, pretty much, kind of rock and roll. And
1: I call an, it adult contemporary <laughs> oh. yeah, we're aging punk rockers. So yeah, we coined a phrase for this band. I like know? that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. adult
0: contemporary
1: punk. Yeah. I love it. Yeah,
0: and and that's one. That's the main reason why you're down here, really, is to talk about the Cleveland Steamers. Yeah. but you're involved in so many different things. There's so many times you just, it's always there's always something going on with you, Ben. You got a lot of stories to tell. So let's get into this. Right on so basically um long time ago obviously you got into music because music's been you've been a music fan longer you've been a bar owner basically yeah, so absolutely, yeah. so how do you start with what how does music start for
1: you okay my parents owned a bar in Middleburg heights it was called suburban at Bagland and pearl i know the suburban, yeah. we had a back room there and uh they still let bands rehearsed there for money and i started hanging around with all these cats there and stuff uh uh burnt river band era. Like, oh yeah. Like that Jesse dude. He's like these rings are only good for two things, riding and fighting. Like one of those cats. <laughs> so I was a little in you know, impressionable kid and I saw that and I'm like, wow that'd be kinda cool. And,
0: and that's uh, what started your And
1: you know what? I gotta tell you the truth, I was just talking about this last night. My very first stage was I went I, I grew up in West Parker when they started busing, I moved out to the suburbs. And my first stage was I was an altar boy in a Catholic church. And I remember standing on that stage and looking out and going, "Holy shit, this is pretty cool!" <laughs> like, "Wow, and I check out all these people watching me." And I was just wearing my little smock and ringing my little bell, or whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. That but was, then, but that was your. That, that t- was where I kind of said, "Ooh, I like that." Yeah. You like, you like the yeah. attention, basically. Yeah, you well, realize yeah, it you're it like, weird. I, I kind of yeah. like attention a little for being a dorky little kid, you know, on the <laughs> west side of Cleveland. I'm like, "Ooh, wow, look at that! People are paying attention to me." Yeah.
0: So you're yeah. saying, so you, so this is interesting because, like, I ask you how you get started in music, and and what your answers are to me are more about like. The live aspects of yeah, playing generation. music, absolutely. Like, like, you, like, you were almost more in, uh, in love with the idea of playing music before you were even listening to music. Almost, it seems mm-hmm. like.
1: Well, would that uh, be accurate. Child in the seventies with older brothers, you know. I, like, I grew up listening to all that stuff. It was always around the house. So, yeah. so what were you listening to? What would, what would be some of the, uh, stuff, the you first know, stuff like you remember? I, like zeppelin so the, yeah the, deep purple kind of stuff yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, and yeah.
1: then i went right from iron maiden to like an 80s in high school i was a metal dude listen to bill peters constantly that kind of thing oh yeah that yeah. guy kind of changed the course of everybody's life yeah right well he, he still is he is, yeah, he, he is. He's he's still he's, changing the course he is the man too, yeah. So yeah yeah that's really cool lifelong 40 years doing that stuff
0: so you were doing all the thrash and all the metal yeah, and all the death and then, metal and stuff for and a
1: while it's kind of crazy i went right from iron maiden to punk like I, I backtracked, I went to uh yeah, like learn all these modes and you know, all that stuff, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wait a minute, goo. And a couple chords and a cloud of dust and you're rocking it. You out. found something that it, yeah. that, that felt it, good. It though. just hit. Yeah, it was like the I like the energy of the punk.
0: And so and what was like so so when you start first start playing music, are you into the metal part then or are you
1: yeah. Tried, yeah. I mean, we had these little feeble metal bands. I had a Rush tribute band in high school, really? that kind of thing. I could still paid 2112, whole album side.
0: No yeah, kidding, it's kind of
1: sloppy at this You just day. don't forget it, yeah, huh? Yeah, just, just like riding of, a bike almost, exactly.
0: No kidding, yeah. So, So, so
1: then uh, after that, uh, let's see where were we at. Oh, we we're at the Suburban. <laughs> so then after that era, I uh, hooked up uh, with a student named Floyd, and Floyd had this band that started in 1986. I joined in 1988, and uh, it was wild. He was a little bit older. He was, like, 30. I was, like, 18 or 19. And I'm like, wow, I'm in this band with this dude that's so old. And uh, he was playing the old flats. Like, remember all those old bars down there? Sure. Yeah, like Sabres and all that shit. And uh, I was, it kind of blew me away. And then a buddy of mine, Dan Phillips, ended up getting into the band. And then, uh, long story short, here we all ended up going to the same high school different years. Uh, we all went to Normandy. Floyd was there. And, uh, like, the first year it was open, I was there, you know, 15 years later or something but uh so small world so danny gets in the band i'm watching danny play and then they're like hey we want to add a second guitar player and i'm like cool all right so uh, you know brought my little flying v down to cleveland Uh, the rehearsal space was east 25th and saint Clair, and floyd lived in the place it was like a little rat house called 1385 Kind of a legendary punk rock scene. It had an alley, and we'd have parties there. And it was cool. cool. Very well, yeah. Anybody like into that scene back then knew about 1385. Starvation Army lived in the front house, and we had the back house. And a party every day. It, it was a blast. Awesome. Wild parties. the yeah. and all those dudes that got everybody hanging out. And so I got into Floyd's band, and uh, then after about four gigs, I think, three, four gigs, we played with seven seconds at the Fantasy. So it was uh, two guitars, drums, bass, and then Floyd in front. And uh, the reason it's Floyd band is pretty much like the Rick Ray story. Everybody would be like, Hey, let's go see Floyd's band. And it just became Floyd band. And we had this cool logo where it was F L O Y D B A N D, you know, like little square stickers. And we spray paint that on buildings all over grassroots marketing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really, really cool to be involved in that. And then after, so that gig with seven seconds at the fantasy, it was like a big sold out show. And, uh, we hired these strippers to come on stage for a song called Trashy Girl. And they climbed out of garbage cans, you know, with, like, trash bags on them. And the bass player's wife got super pissed, so she oh. made him quit the band. And, uh, so uh, I picked – I went out. We had tons of gigs. We were playing three, four nights a week. So I went out and bought a bass, and then the rest is history. I've been the bass player in the Floyd band for – Oh, 30, 34, five years. Now. And you're still doing that, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still well-employed, 67. He's a local artist now. He's always done at that 78th Street Gallery on the third Fridays. And he makes refrigerator magnets. And he'll commission anything. Or he, he does rock bands, cartoons. He even sold one to Geraldo Rivera, that news guy from 60 Minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's
0: doing, like, custom? Uh,
1: they're these tiny little refrigerator magnets. And they're 20 bucks. And he goes, it's easier to sell a $20 magnet than it is to sell a $400 painting. And he's gotten a lot better. He's a really good artist now, and given the fact he's crazy old Floyd from the Floyd Band, yeah, right, like right, right, gives him some street cred. And Hell yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it is kind of neat to see him do that. He gets to ride it out in the sun with an Etsy account. Yeah.
0: So at what point? So like, you're, so you're in this band, the Floyd Band, yeah, and. I take it you're just meeting a lot of people on the way through this this whole thing. You're sure. meeting other musicians, yeah. you're, that kind and of thing. I was thing bartending.
1: Also. I was still working at the suburban bar and all that. So. Okay, yeah, right, right, and right. So we had a record in, I don't know, 89 or 90 was called I Burped and Puke came out my nose. And it actually did pretty good. It charted in Helsinki, Finland, actually. Really? And coincidentally, the, the highest suicide rate in, in the world, <laughs> I think, at that time. So we're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Floyd Bannon off yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a distribution deal with Semaphore. We paid for everything ourselves, but they distributed it for us. And uh, it worked out okay. I mean, we never really made any money at it, but what are you going to do? Yeah, right. But, man, we played with everybody from Marky Ramone, uh, Didi Ramone when he had the Chinese Dragons, Social Distortion, Foghat. Oh, man, we played with so many bands. So this
0: was man. like a major time in yeah. your life. Yeah, this, was, you, was, you didn't have to be making money. You were yeah, making Yeah, no, it was cool. Memories. Yeah, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, we were like a, a band of brothers doing the thing. Yeah. And then I did a stint in a band called Starvation Army for a while. We toured a lot. They were on Rave Records out of Philadelphia. And uh, so that was the van years, you know, like we were touring. Right, so you had a van, you were yeah, out of. Yeah.
0: Tough times, though, yeah. Like, yeah. right? Right, Like it's both fun, but like it's also yeah. a pain in the ass to turn sure. out of a van. Drop a
1: drive shaft in the middle of Texas and oh spend about three days. God. Yeah, yeah, those are good times. <laughs> yeah. So then in the 90s, I had that public display of infection band. And it's kind of a complicated story. Uh, Floyd's ex-wife, who is Tom from the Floyd Band's brother, wait a minute, no, it's confusing. So Floyd was married to Roseanne. Roseanne is the guitar player's older sister. She ended up after Floyd, she was married to Floyd. After she was married to Floyd, she hooked up with Dale Peters from the James Gang. So we had access to this legendary rock star guy. So me and uh, Tom from the Floyd Band, who is his brother-in-law, uh, we started this little project. Tom had one called Zip Gun Tragedy. And I had one called Make It Stop. So then Make It Stop morphed into this other one called Public Display of Infection. A uh, radio DJ got the, uh, the spine of the CD wrong. Because I think the graphics dude, Pete, from the Floyd band, put you know, like the name here and the title there. It was reversed. Yeah, right.
0: So everyone thought, so it, everybody was thought
1: it was pu- Public Display of Infection. Since Dale Peters kind of worked on it, he played on the first couple songs, and then he produced the first record he came in the studio with us and he's like, ah, like, like we were smoking weed. And he's like, you kid shouldn't be smoking that devil weed. And we're like, you're Dale from the James gang, man. <laughs> telling us stories about dropping acid in Amsterdam <laughs> and trashing hotel rooms with the who. And, uh, so anyway, cause of that, some intern got it from MMS and they, uh, they, they played it every day. It was like in full rotation. It was crazy. And then, uh, we ended up playing like this big festival called buzzard fest at blossom open up for, for like a lot. of more set. There's a 30,000 people. Wow. That's probably the biggest thing I ever played. Wow. It was pretty wild. Wow. It was a good day. Yeah, we were literally getting played every day, six, seven times a day. And I went and played live on MMS one time. And they are like, oh, don't worry. There's only a million people listening right now. (laughs) And I blew a guitar part. I did. It's like the the moment. Like, "Oh, oh, man, I screwed up.
0: Do you think it was nerves? Was, uh, it, was it nerves that did it, or was it
1: just? Yeah, I think it was because it was so early in the morning. It was like eight a.m. Oh yeah, morning, it was, so it was the morning drive time, and uh, being a bartender, I'm up till four o'clock. In yeah, it wasn't your hours. So I was dead tired, and we're standing out there. And I think it was winter time; it was cold, and uh, yeah, it was a long day, but uh, it was fun. And I guess for a while they had a picture of me and a couple of the guys. They had us hanging up in the studio, so that's kind really? of
0: really cool. yeah.
1: hell yeah, man. Yeah.
0: So so then what? So so. I mean, like I'm just trying to. I'm trying to figure out how you get to the steamers part. You know, like okay. how long, uh, how long yeah. before you get to all there? Right. So, and these are basically all punk bands that you're, that yeah. you're
1: talking. So, f- pretty much, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and they were established. I mean, these aren't like basement bands. These are I mean, bands the, the, out there doing it. You know, what
0: what uh, what exactly? Why do you change? Why why are you in so many bands? If it's all the same, I guess is what it, my my question would be. Like, is there is there something you're getting different out of each one of these? Yeah, is the I'm reason sure. why you're doing
1: it like yeah, that? Yeah, it's different relationships. I mean, bands are like having five girlfriends or whatever. You know, but <laughs> they are. They're relationships. Yeah, right. And it's hard to make something. I, I don't know. It's it's just interesting. I've been in so different chemistries create different bands. things that you're yeah.
0: interested in. You're just like with these guys, I can do this, but with these sure. guys, I can do that. Yeah,
1: That's and cool. I and I love to play. So like, I I would. Be in two three bands at once, actually, like Floyd just to band, play so more always often. in the background, and then we had PDI, which is going on at the same time. And then, uh, after I bought the Grove, I started to band hop a little bit. I played in the Velvematics a bunch of times, uh, at different eras. And uh, they started off as like a garage rock band. We wore uh, leather suits and skinny white ties, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of cool. And our, our manager was Wally Palmer from the Romantics. Oh, he knew little Johnny Vincenzo, and he's the main Velvomatic dude. He's he and that band morphed from that, Leather Suits and Blue Eyeshadow. And now they play Hell's Angels parties. They went wow. all full-on biker. And it's really cool. John's an awesome dude. They all are. Yeah. Wow, that's and, cool. Uh, so then I was doing that. And then I joined Adams to Eleven for a while after, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, I was the other guitar player, was me and Aaron, Aaron Dow. And uh, so that was fun. And then after that, I joined a band called 45 Spider. And that was a fuzz garage rock band. Oh. And that's the one we uh, ended up having a song that was the coolest song in the world on XM Radio.
0: Yeah, and, and so and, how did that work out for her? How, how did that? All, how does that become that?
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, um, Hadley from the band, she kind of knew the guy from, uh, what's the name of the band? Uh, he's a DJ on XM Radio uh, on the Underground Channel. Uh man, the Woggles. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that dude. So she kind of got it to him, and uh, they liked it. Played it for Little Steven and then they dug it. And it was a cover tune from the Banana Splits uh, Little Kids TV <laughs> That's show. That's so crazy. It, yeah, and I guess allegedly it was written by one of the mothers of invention. Oh, yeah. So Zappos. Like that, yeah, yeah. And, and the tune was called Gonna Find a Cave. And it was kind of I don't know, a hokey song, but it was fun. And it got played all over the world on that XM channel. No so kidding. It was pretty groovy. They said like three million people would play was listening to it.
0: So How is it you think that all these bands that you've been in have always had a little taste of success? Like, you've had, like, a little from each one for, of them.
1: I would go for the bands that were being So you, you, you were just like, you, were,
0: you had a good intuition about yeah, right? it. Yeah, right? Yeah, well,
1: yeah. they were already doing it. I'd be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm here. I'll jump in on this thing. Yeah. No kidding. And I had a little bit of street cred because I had the Maple Grove all those years, and I jammed with a lot of cats on the jam nights there. So they're like, oh, that's Nick. You can rip it. You know? No kidding. I primarily always, except for Floyd Band, I play guitar. And I sing, like, I'm playing at my old Brooklyn bar tonight, and I'll be singing I have a little trio, bass player, drummer. And uh, we let the crowd shout out the tunes, and I'll try to play them. And I'm not afraid of crashing and burning. (laughs) Fearless. Isn't that the best,
0: but isn't that, like, isn't that, like, the recipe that you need to really kind of, isn't that, like, the mentality you kind of got to have to really get the most fun out of doing this kind of stuff? It is. Is that you're not going up there all tentative about, like, making a
1: mistake or something like that? Don't play to the musicians in the room. Play to the little girl shaking her Butt or play to the dude tapping his foot, yeah. Well, and the I think musicians you f- are going to stand there like this, and they're going to be like, "Oh no, I can do that. If I was me, I but yeah." You the know, real musicians don't, yeah, though. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't
0: think the real musicians are like because uh, they all fuck up, right? Yeah, every oh, yeah, sure. every everybody right. does. So it's like a real musician that's watching you. I, I know what you, exactly what you mean because they do. But the real ones, the ones that really know they're not they're not hammering anybody for fucking up they're like you know what i mean they they're they're basically like oh you know maybe no one noticed it or whatever they understand but yeah cuz because really i mean it's like it's like you know you you can't you have to you have to you have to put your guard down and go out there and just let it all hang out. Then you'll have fun doing this shit.
1: Yeah. yeah. You have a lot of fun, especially doing punk rock. Run fearlessly into the face of danger. That's what you yeah. do. Yeah. Honestly, man. And, and it's a blast, man. I love it.
0: Especially and, uh, I mean that's the that is the lure of punk rock too. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that there are no rules and you just go you just go ape shit. I sure. mean, that's really what it's sure. about, you know. So
1: um so that you were this was all when when did you acquire the Maple Grove? Oh, uh, it was nineteen ninety seven. Oh, it's been that. So one? yeah, it's been we, we were. Um, it'll be twenty six years this fall. No so, kidding, yeah. man. And I did those jams every Thursday religiously for seventeen years, and I think I probably missed maybe I I didn't have any money, so I couldn't travel during that era, you know. But uh, so I think I missed three or four in all those years.
0: So, so, you mean, are you, are you telling me that owning the Maple Grove doesn't make you a multimillionaire? I
1: mean, I'm still the first guy to grab the mop bucket if somebody pukes. Ah, yeah, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah, once a bartender, always a bartender, man. Yeah, right, man. In what fact, you do? usually if anybody asks me, I don't tell them, I just say I'm a bartender.
0: You don't tell them that you no, own a place. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just let it if they don't yeah. know then And
1: I don't look like the stereotypical bar owner guy, which works great for like inspectors You don't you don't, you don't look, you don't act yeah. like that guy you are right next to somebody though, like a sales rep will come in and be like, I'd like to speak to the owner and the bartender's like, No, he's not here. I just sit there and smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man.
0: So basically, as far as when you're saying you're joining these bands and stuff. There's, was there was there recording processes through all this? Are you making albums with these oh, bands sure. also? Yeah. And then uh, so a
1: couple of them. Amps to Eleven. I'd never recorded with uh, Velvomedics. I never. Oh, I may have. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, but uh, yeah, for the most part, all these bands, um, counting compilation singles, LPs, and one double. I have uh, fifteen records floating around out there.
0: No kidding! So, yeah, all with different like, bands little, yeah, and different yeah, whatever. All different
1: everything. Yeah, and the steamers thing now. It's on the. Two, four full-lengths. We're working on the fifth right now, and then uh, one, two, three singles.
0: Yeah. So that's got yeah. pretty
1: I, good body work right there. Yeah,
0: I think we can go over a couple of these now real yeah. quick. Just, let's get it out there and let people know what they can go look for. So in 2013, you put out an album called Terminal.
1: Yes, that was the first one, yeah. Right? So that, yeah.
0: Okay. So, And then 2014, very next year, you put out an album, this greatest name, Who's Next? Who's Next. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little cover, yeah. maybe, <laughs> And then 2018 best record, best record
1: ever. Best record ever. Yeah, that, so yeah. so you
0: named you named it the best yeah. record yeah. ever. Yeah. That's great, man. I was I, I was wondering when you when I first saw that I was like, what an interesting name for a record. <laughs> this is the best record ever. But actually, it was because it was kind of it was labeled the best.
1: Yeah, that's the name of it. Yeah, yeah, right. 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 And some guy did a Google review or an Amazon review, and he goes, "This record's a piece of garbage." He's like, "Best record ever, my ass." I thought that was great. Uh, That's and
0: and what's funny is if you're in a punk rack. Man, that's exactly the kind of that's what you want to hear. Yeah, you want right. to hear stuff like that. It's like, sure. oh, perfect. That's exactly what we were going yeah, for. Yeah, and
1: these bands aren't thrash punk. I mean, we're we're actually pretty decent musicians. Oh, I mean, so yeah,
0: it's yeah, like, yeah, but yeah, but even yeah. that's still yeah. well, punk it's has like, its, its attitude. Like the energy of it. You yeah. got to have the attitude yeah. of yeah, punk, right? right? Otherwise, yeah. it's not punk. It know. <laughs> you can't fool. You can't fool the punk rockers. Yeah, right. You, you yeah. really can't, man. Yeah. Um. So, what when when, the, when this band formed when you were when you were doing the Cleveland Steamers? Did you did you um, Basically, the, it's interesting how this band formed. Yeah, the there's it. a story
1: for sure. Yeah, you, you want know to just tell yeah, I, 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 I You, you well tell, tell it, it, yeah. instead of me telling it. So, there's this rocker dude from Cleveland. He passed, I don't know, it's got to be 11, 12 years ago now. His name was Lair Lewis. It went by Lair Matic and Keith Matic. And he was in a bunch of bands, probably 15 or 20 bands. The biggest ones probably being AK 47s or the Bronx. So, Lair was one of those dudes. We had a band years ago called Hangover Falls together. And uh, it was kind of cool. The was Hangover Falls. You wouldn't want to live here. <laughs> and, had, uh, from the, and Lair was always writing songs and super talented dude, quirky, and they long hair, punk rock dude. And uh, so, anyway, he caught some shit luck and he got throat cancer. So, he's like, hey, I want to make one last record before I go or whatever. And uh, it was sad. Like, uh, the cover of the record is his radiation mask for his treatments. And uh, Lair, being a broke punk, he had no money or insurance. So they pulled all his teeth out doing an experimental procedure, and it was sad. He kept his hair and he dyed it like bright orange, and uh, it was kind of cool. So we made this record called the Layermatic Assembly, and Larry's like, "Do you want to do this?" And uh, he was really good friends with Cheese from the Steamers too. So uh, I was at the plaza at the Rock Hall watching one of those bands play on Wednesday, and Steve O from Death of Samantha was there, and I'm like, "Hey, we're going to do this thing for Larry, and we need a drummer." And he's like, oh, I'd love to. He's like, I'd be, a, you know, whatever, flattered. And uh, So Steve-O, uh, me, Cheese, and Laird did this record. And this girl, I can't think of her name right now, but she filmed it and made a little thing. You can find it on YouTube. It's, like, called The Story of the Lairmatic Assembly. And she made, like, a little mini-movie and interviewing us, and Larry's talking, and then uh, Cheese Speaks Last, and it was post-mortem. It was kind of weird because we were all optimistic, like, oh, Larry might beat this, and uh, you you never know, and and then there's cheese. And he did his interview at the Maple Grove, and we darkened the room, and he's like, well, your life's reduced to uh, five or six boxes of stuff, and then somebody shelves it all, and that's all there is, yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: and it was kind of weird. So anyway, after that, we were like, well, we got this thing going. So uh, I would get drunk at the Grove and text cheese band names, and I wanted to name it the Finger Bangers. And he's like, no, that'll never get played on the radio. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Cheeseburger and the finger bangers, man. And so we settled on the steamers. I would just trunk text him every night, something stupid. And uh, it settled on that one. Yeah. So that was the name. And then we did the terminal record and uh, it was really cool. Cheese- I'll tell
0: you what, we're going to stop right there. because we are gonna take a quick break. Oh, good. Okay. So as we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more about this. A couple more minutes. Nick Suma.
1: All right. right on. You're listening to level up Cleveland.
2: What's up, everybody? This is Don Foose from One Life All In, The Spud Monsters, Run Devil Run, Lifeline, and my solo band, Foose. I'm coming at you live to let you know I have a new book out called Motivate Me. It's a memoir of inspirational quotes, stories, and life lessons. This book takes you through my life and shows how I've handled adversity firsthand by the inspiration of others. If you lack enthusiasm but want to make goals in life and get after them, then this book is for you to order go to my website at foosforlife.com f-o-o-s-e-f-o-r-l-i-f-e.com foosforlife.com i'd like to send a big shout out to big Bry and pat the producer at level up cleveland for making a platform for hometown musicians and artists like myself to promote our bands and projects this is don foos signing off for the level up cleveland podcast peace out
0: we're back with mr nick suma cleveland steamers <laughs> he owns maple grove he owns a bunch of bars he owns all that stuff and he does all that stuff and we're talking about it and the last thing we were just talking about was with the cleveland steamers we were basically going through the beginning point how the band formed and everything and then you were just talking we were just getting into the albums and stuff like that you were yeah, just saying yeah, right, that yeah. we do we, were, we touched on terminal came out in 2013 mm-hmm. and that's where we kind of left it off at
1: cool all right so uh yeah interesting uh She's his wife, Meredith. She, for years, like 20 years, I think, she was the curator of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. So she had the opportunity to rub elbows with all these sort of you know, famous rock star people, and it became a novelty for some of these punk dudes to come and guest on it. So the Terminal Record in 13, uh, Nick Knox from The Cramps, before he passed away, he came and did like two or three songs on it. Oh, wow. And then uh, John D. Morton, he was in The Electric Eels, and, uh, like, John's this crazy dude who lives in New York. And if you go to MoMA, uh, the Modern Art Museum, uh, there's a picture of him on the wall sitting there shooting up. And he'll go stand in front of it and be like, that's me, and nobody believes him because it's like a young John <laughs> Morton. Man. So, anyway, he came, and he was a really weird dude. Uh, this guy, man, yeah, he had tattoos all over. And uh, he, he's like, anybody want to see my dick tattoo? And I'm like, hell yeah, man. So he had this, little, like, red and blue line that went all around his body. And uh, then, it, you know, it went around everything. And uh, he said his wife had to fluff him like, for five minutes. And then the <laughs> guy put the needle to it, boom. He said it took, like, nine hours to make these two little lines around it. Yeah. Oh, my uh, that was God, but dude. It was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And if you if you, anybody wants to, Google John Morton from the Electric Heels, and you'll see he's, yeah. Like, those guys would, like, have chainsaws on stage whipping them around. They were proto-punks. They really? were, like, the first guys to do it. Crazy Even, even shit. before, like, the Dead Boys and, like, Perubu era. Yeah. So, yeah crazy so anyway shit. yeah it was a novelty to guest on the steamers records so we had several of those people even those little kids you hear they're not kids anymore they're men um do you remember archie and the bunkers from maybe yeah yeah we even did uh they played on one of the records and we did a single with them too and that was really cool It was called hung up on you and it got some spins
0: okay no and
1: uh yeah so we just keep doing it and there's kind of a revolving door it's always been me and cheese and uh or cheese and i, I should say and then uh So then there was Steve-O, and then after Steve-O, there was, uh, oh, Ryan Foltz. I I should probably talk about him. He's an awesome, awesome dude. And uh, Ryan recorded the two middle records. The first one we did with a Mobile at the Maple Grove, and his name was Mike, and I can't remember. Mike McDonald, I believe. And it was a big Mobile, like full full deal. And so then the second one we did at Ryan Foltz's studio. And uh, it's, oh, man, he's an incredible dude. I was in to Eleven with him, and I was in 45 Spider with him. He was the drummer. And uh, he's Rancid's, one of Rancid's live sound guys. He goes all over the world with Rancid. He's a music school kid, and he plays the French horn. He plays the tin whistle in that one uh, Boys from County hall band, or used to anyway. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, like the dude. He's that guy. You know, he's like a like a genius. Yeah, he can just, do a lot yeah, of Yeah, shit. wears he, a shitload he, of hats yeah, and the whole he's thing. he's just that guy. Plus, he builds cars and does all this crazy stuff. So anyway, then Ryan uh, drummed on uh, the middle two. He was our studio guy for the middle two records, and then he played drums on the two records in the middle as well. And then, uh, okay, so we got Ryan, me, uh, Meredith, Cheese, and then, okay, so then we do records and we're doing it. And then I'm not really quite sure. After 45 Spider, me and Ryan kind of drifted apart for a minute and, uh, just cause we were in two bands in a row together. And, uh, he's real busy. And so then we got this dude, when I do these little jams, I play, I got three little dive bars, Maple Grove being the biggest one of them. And, uh, I play once a month at each of them. So I get to play three weekends a month.
0: Oh, so, I, so that's that how you do it. You yeah, just rotate through just those rotate, and then take and, one and week off.
1: Nobody gets sick of my antics. So they only see it once a month. You know, <laughs> if you like the one I was doing every week after a while, it was an old joke. You know? <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> and so I, what I do is I got four or five dudes and I, you know, I, I pay them and I give them a bar tab and they'll come back me up. And we do these jams and uh, I don't, we don't rehearse. We don't have a name. We don't tell anybody what we're going to play because they don't even know. I just play what's off the top of my head or I look out in the room to see what people might be into. And I try to do that. And so James is this amazing dude that I met in a band called The Chromes with Brian, Brian Allen Hagar. Oh. He did an episode. Yeah, Brian, yeah, we, so we had him in here. Yeah, so I, that's how I first met James. I met him years ago in the Floyd band briefly, and, and then uh, James was in the Chromes when I auditioned for him, and then uh, we ended up bonding, and he's my dude. He's like my buddy, and uh, he's an amazing talent. He can sing like a dream. He can sing high. He can sing death metal, blah, you know, he can do everything. And uh, he's in, uh, he was in that band, Crack. You spelled C-R-A, like Craig, but with a C. Oh. And it, they're like an Irish kind of band, like that kind of stuff. And he's a real talented cat. And so, uh, oh, we were talking about the record. Um, so James was my dude on the jams. And uh, I'm like, "Cheese, you should come out and check out this dude because we needed a drummer. Like Ryan was off doing his own thing. And uh, James showed up, and uh, it was magic. Like he really did fit in perfectly. Yeah. And I think him and I already had that kind of chemistry or synergy going on. So it was pretty easy for him to just jump right in. And I knew what he was capable of. And then when Cheese heard him sing, he's like, oh, dude, you're the guy. Because he does all the things that the singers can't do. Right. Yeah, he's really not, you know. But uh, I think he sings in a cover band, too, maybe. But uh, anyway, James, I'll be jamming with him tonight, the old Brooklyn Bar. And then we got him on board. And then for this last record, Meredith and Cheese used to do almost all the singing. And then... She, Meredith wanted to take more of. A, she's a lounge singer, uh, from uh, she like I think she maybe performed in New York City. For, she lived there for wow. a while, and she'd be the piano girl in the dress, and you know, and uh, singing and I don't know what they call that lounge acts. And uh, she didn't want to be in front so much anymore because it was it was kind of like Sonny and Cher, you know, like they're a married couple and they're both doing the vocals. Yeah, and uh, she's self admittedly self admittedly doesn't want to sing. He's like I'm not a singer and so he writes most of the stuff and uh we marvelously enhance it as he says which is kind of (laughs) cool that's a great line yeah so then we got uh this new record last record we got uh chris king and chris king had a band in the 70s and 80s and they were great they're called the wild giraffes and uh they're kind of a big deal like uh there, there was videos and stuff of them floating around and uh so, and he's cool. He, he's this cool. And that's who's singing yeah, steamers he sing, now. he's singing steamers now. And it's a whole different band because of the, the vocal. I mean, that changes everything. Oh, yeah. As with any band. So, And so now we got James, we got uh, me and Cheese, and then uh, Chris.
0: Well, you know what? I, I, real quick, I'm going to go over the guys. I, did, I don't think I've announced the guys in the band yet. Okay. I haven't okay. done that yet. So real quick, uh, like you said, Scott Borger, Cheese. That's yep. who you, when you're right. referring to Cheese, it's Scott Borger. And he's like the guy kind of, he's the the main guy. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah exactly. And he's the bass player. Yep, and and you said he he doesn't want to sing, but he has sung. In some in, in, he didn't
1: uh, sing on the first three records, right? So, much, yeah. but not not or, not what he wanted, yeah. Uh, or the first two records, I should say. Yeah.
0: And then you play yeah. guitar, yes, mm-hmm. and. Meredith was in the band for a while. She still is,
1: but she's doing background vocals. So she's just she yeah. stepped in the background she's,
0: but she yeah. was lead singer also. Yeah, she was one yeah. of the singers also in the band Absolutely. for a long time.
1: And it worked. Her and Cheese's voice were magical together. It's just they chose to pick a different direction with it. And
0: Meredith is Cheese's is wife. Yes. Okay. So that's so, yeah. so that that's the relationship there. And then you have on lead vocals Chris King. Yep. And he's from Wild Drafts. Mm-hmm. And drummer is James McWilliam mcwilliam yep yep and so and that's that's the band right now yeah, that's the is. steamers right now awesome. and like you said you've had a lot of turnover but how as far as where you guys are at now and how it feels right now do you anticipate more turnover or do you feel oh, like no. you guys well, like, have kind of like feel like you you found the
1: anybody that wants to can guest on it i mean it's cool we're well, not it's like yeah, that we're, we're just kind of like an open door yeah that's so, cool um, and i it's it feels pretty good right now i think it's going to stay like this i really do you do like you think yeah. everybody's
0: like it's yeah. kind of you found the positions sure. for everybody and you know, uh, it's good yeah. What's, what's the future looking like for that? You guys, I mean, we're
1: doing a new record right now. We're the first three in the can already. And, uh, the uh, one just came out like in the fall and it's getting some spins on college radio. It's doing okay. It's paying for itself anyway. And, uh, it's on all the platforms. I think, Oh, it was kind of funny. Uh, last time we had a rehearsal, she showed us, uh, uh, the royalty check. It was 39 cents. <laughs> you get like one, I, don't know, I forgot what, like a fraction of a cent per stream or something on all those platforms. And he's like, yeah, we can buy some ramen noodles, man. And I heard
0: Bill Peters playing it. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, Bill, yeah oh, cool. I heard. Oh, I, heard Bill, I heard Bill about a month ago. I heard him play it. I'm sure he plays it more often. I haven't yeah, listened to him the right. last couple of weeks, but yeah, he plays it. He, he's playing your stuff. Excellent. So it's yeah. cool. so that's so, out there, and man. Yeah, it's
1: out there, and somebody's listening to it somewhere. So. Hell,
0: hell yeah, oh. man. Now, like with, like, with when you own three bars and you're in all these bands, like, high, is this a t- is there a time management thing with you where you have to like manage your time accordingly to be to do all the stuff that you're involved in? because you seem to be involved in quite a bit of stuff.
1: Yeah, every day's a work day. Yeah, you, you wake up and start and you don't stop till you, your head hits the pillow. Like, is that it, is that it, your is that course, your life? Yeah. Is that how it's been it. always? Yeah, and just do it, yeah,
0: yeah, so, and yeah. and 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 so and like that's 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 but that's crazy to me. I mean, like I because I, as I'm talking to you and I'm like, that's what keeps coming into my head. I'm like, where does he find the time to do all this stuff? Right. And yeah. and you know, on top of it, you're writing music also that, mm-hmm. that you know that takes time all this stuff takes time you just you just don't walk into a a practice space or a studio and, and it's all done for you you got to do all this
1: right. stuff it's a lot of homework yeah yeah
0: now now just the bars owning the bars and being in the bars and doing all this, does it ever help you write songs does it ever help you oh, with it, ideas it, uh, and, absolutely yeah, yeah like, like endless
1: source of inspiration yes yeah, i would think a, so a comedy errors <laughs> yeah. like bars are really weird this is a like um like, most people's jobs are kind of static. Uh, you know, you go kind of do the same thing. Right. Bars are all peaks and valleys. Like, uh, man, I've been in such bad situations. And also, I've been, like, floating in heaven by what's just going on in the bar. Yeah. It's that feeling. So uh, the dynamic of the bar life is an endless source of... And conversations. I mean, you talk to 50 people a day and all that. Oh, yeah. So
0: Yeah, you have, you have an endless supply of, like, right. uh, entertainment of, of all sorts of different types, too. Not just drunk people. Sure. But all kinds of things that happen yeah, in Yeah, and bars. people
1: come to bars with their last five bucks or if they just hit the lottery. I mean, uh, it's like bars are one of those places. It's the common denominator like anybody can get a six pack and go home and and drink or whatever but people come to a bar for a reason. You got to have that reason. Yeah.
0: There's got you got you got to provide a reason yeah, for them right. to come to your place. And not and not only home but all the other bars. You're you're yeah. you're, you're competing against sure. those also, so you got to separate yourself from those, mm-hmm. which you kind of done because of the music venues type thing that you yeah. you created.
1: Uh-huh. Now, well, and well, you know what there's a uh, uh, starting with bartenders. There's people that tend bar and then there's real bartenders. And uh, so I was a real bartender and then there's people that buy bars and then there's bar owners and uh the people that buy bars are the ones that go oh you know what i've been hanging out in bars my whole life it's a good idea i should try that and then they end up blowing the kids college fund i was in a score meeting when i was in college service corps retired executives they said anybody planning to open up a bar restaurant raise your hand and they kicked everybody out they're like most of they said 98 percent fail in the first five years or some statistic like that wow so there's a lot of bad, a lot of crappy bar owners. And so, is, yeah. is
0: that what it all comes down to? You believe is just, just bad business people, yeah, bad
1: yeah, owners, people, and- people that shouldn't own a bar. you you live in the candy store. And if you like to eat candy, it gets you in trouble. So, yeah, <laughs> a, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, now what was the secret to getting through this pandemic? Like with three bars and shutdowns and all this stuff that didn't, a lot of people didn't get through. I mean, it was, let's just yeah. be honest. You got all three of them through. Absolutely, yeah. What yeah. was the what was your trick? How, what do you think? It, uh, how did you do that?
1: I, I, I put. Uh, I, know. I know a couple, couple people personally whose bars failed, and it was, what's the word? It, he, the governor never said how long it was going to be. If they would just would have come out and said straightforward, okay, then this might be six months. Brace for it. It was whatever. the whole every. But I, I, I thought that in my head. I'm like, this might go on for a long, long time. So. Uh, Really didn't take any of the government money. Really didn't get any of those PPP loans or nothing, and uh, just kind of sat it out. To be truthful, like lucky. So enough, you'd saved enough money, yeah, you had enough things enough we going scared, on where yeah. you could you could you waited it out. And we I, that was actually the best summer I ever had that one year because <laughs> I had a little boat at the islands, and I, I was oh. out there more times than ever. You know, so oh, I just kind of checked out for as long as I was, and uh, my staff we all worked together, and uh, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that was tough. I mean, like I I I, I think about that a lot. You know, right. like uh, you you were able to get three bars, and sure. and and, and like you called them dive bars. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call them dive bars, but they're they're not exactly like clubs or anything. These are small bars. I and think
1: those places probably had a harder time. You're right. You're, us, you're,
0: yeah, yeah because they had know, to pay the rents is, and uh, stuff.
1: Gino's was my father's, and he was still alive during that, and uh, we own the buildings too. And that that kind of oh. that kind of separates us from a lot of bar owners too. Like, if you have one of those bars in a plaza in a strip mall or something, uh, you're leasing you, them. You're just leasing it, and really you have the, the liquor and uh, you, have, uh, you have your inventory and, and the fixtures and equipment, that's it. So um, if we had to of owning the buildings, we could have backed money out. So we, if this ever happened again, which, uh, God, I hope it doesn't, uh, we'd be fine. I would just, uh, whatever money you need, you just take out of the building. So, so it's like yeah. you, you just take a loan against yeah, the building yeah. and then pay back. I didn't. Luckily, we didn't have to do that at any of them, but, uh, yeah. No kidding. So that's probably the difference is we're super established by that point. If it, if it would have been the first year, like when I was in my late 20s, man, I was super in debt. Like I had to count every penny every day, you know. I went from being a bartender playing in punk bands to buying the Maple Grove, and I was several hundred thousand dollars in debt at the tender age of 29, you know? Wow. So, yeah. Oof. And it was all gamble. I mean, yeah, at that point, was, uh, you were
0: just taking a gamble, but this was what you really wanted to do. Yeah, you felt right. like this was, there was a, and, you, and and it paid off. I mean, you were right. Yeah, it turned old, out you were right.
1: My old man found the joint. I was looking for a bar with like maybe an apartment above it that I could live in. And I was never in Maple Heights a day in my life. I didn't even know that place existed. <laughs> and he goes, you should take a ride out here. And look, it's got a house attached and it's got a big parking lot. And it's two floors. And uh, it was perfect. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. We got the tavern downstairs and the club up, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's not—it's really—it's it, like,
0: not like anywhere else. It was
1: hard to pass on that deal. Yeah. It really was. It, so you, yeah, I the, owned a house in old Brooklyn. I just sold the house and used that for the down payment of the bar. And uh, my dad's business partner was cool. He spotted me some dough until I was able to sell the house. And if it wasn't uh, God rest his soul, if it wasn't for dear old Uncle Al, uh, yeah, that's kind of everything just fell into place. And had I failed. I would be delivering pizzas, you know. I mean that was it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Yeah, the Maple Grove is a really unique place because it, like you said, if you, when you depends on where you're looking at that place from to, to determine like the what you're actually seeing. Like if you live from kinda of at the front of it, it looks like a fucking house. Yeah. It's a, it looks like a house on a street.
1: People you drive gotta kinda, by. They yeah. don't really know it's there.
0: Yeah, you got to kind of come across to the side of it a little bit, and then all of a sudden you see this long building. And now it's a bar. It looks like just like a bar, and you got this huge parking lot. It's just the best of all the world. Yeah, it is. It's like yeah, you
1: really have it laid out big nicely. Old steamship. It's kinda, yeah, it's
0: Yeah, and it, and it's kind of like a, it's it's in, the another thing that's cool about the Maple Grove is it's in the middle of like a neighborhood. It's 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 kind of like in the middle of a real residential area. Yeah. You're not on a real main road where you got to like. Cars all over the place. It's
1: kind of quiet outside. It is. You're yeah. kind of like secluded. Parks like atmosphere there. Yeah. yeah, it's a great place. There's man. that big field that the gas company owns next door, and the, so we really don't have like neighbors. There's houses in front. And there's houses on the other side, but the the bar faces sideways, and yeah. so we really don't get noise complaints or anything like that. Yeah, it's it, very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little secluded behind that house there. So.
0: Now, have you noticed, like, uh, since the, the, the pandemic ended, I guess you'd say whatever you want to, however you want to word it or whatever, but like, you know, the the, the scene, it was just the bar scene in general, but the music scene also, it's taking a little while for it to to get back on its feet again and to get things rolling That's again. A fact. It's and still
1: not back 100%. No, but it's definitely right,
0: this yeah. year, especially, I have noticed that there's definitely an, mm. an uptick yeah. that we, way more than last year, way more than the year before that, obviously, but. Like, there's definitely... It's coming back. Would you agree like to Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The,
1: the paranoid fervor of the pandemic's over now. Yeah. People, like, over... Uh, they just didn't want to gather, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. How ridiculous was it to all be wearing masks? And do you, I don't know if you guys remember, when you first could go back into bars, the governor had a rule that... If you were sitting, you can have your mask off and drink, but if you stood, you had to wear your mask. Yeah, if you were
0: walking anywhere, yeah. you had so to have it apparently on. apparently
1: the virus doesn't live here. It only lives <laughs> up here. Yeah. There's a lot
0: – listen, yeah. there was a whole lot of things about the pandemic that when you look back on it today, in yeah. hindsight, you're kind of like, okay.
1: If it happened again. Yeah, okay, right. You well, so, in, you yeah.
0: know, I, I mean, I don't know. I Anymore, I have no clue what the hell even happened in that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I it's just so crazy how it all went, but – I think we're hopefully out of it, and like I said, I you know my concern always was just basically like that we were going to really change and things. I mean, and I think there has been things that have changed since then, but the, this scene is what I was mm-hmm. hoping stayed intact. Yes, and comes out of this uh, on the other end better for it or whatever. And you'd be one of the guys to ask, you know? What yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, yeah we'll so, see. It,
1: it, we, definitely, we just had a, a the first sold out show since before the pandemic, recently.
0: At the At at the Maple Grove, Grove. yeah, that was cool.
1: No kidding. Yeah, it was uh, a it was tribute. Uh, There were tribute bands. It was a Black Sabbath trib called Ohio Sabbath, and then an Allison Chains tribute, and uh, they were really good. And a ton of people came, and uh, nobody was afraid of being asses to elbows. And uh,
0: yeah. uh, yeah, right, man. That's the well. That's yeah. the exactly what it comes down to, right? Like, because that's that's it. That's the pre-pandemic thing where you could fill a place up. You people were sweating on each other, and nobody thought twice about it. And then that pandemic hits, and then all of a sudden, you as you're coming out of it, there was that time where I think everybody kind of looked at everybody a little differently for a little while. Oh, sure, you're, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, if you, you
1: sneezed, like, every drop yeah. <laughs> had a skull and crossbones on it. You know, like, oh, how dare you in the room? Yeah. And you're seeing less and less of that. Yeah, I think you know, people oh, are. Saying, they're back. Every, like you said,
0: when you got here with the guys yeah. downstairs, you're like, I'm a handshake. Guy. yeah right yeah, yeah you're like i think we're, we're we can shake hands again uh, guys right you know yeah
1: like, like I, I hug i kiss the girls and i hug and I shake hands with the dudes and hell you know, yeah yeah so
0: so what's going on now from now this point on with the steamers as far as as far as what you what do, what do you see the future of them going do you guys well, you're going to be gigging this summer you're going to be putting out a new album here pretty soon yeah and how when do you think that'll fall about what uh, time takes, table
1: it usually takes us, a, especially vinyl manufacturing now it takes about a year to get right so you guys
0: run. do the, you guys do the vinyls too and everything oh yeah so?
1: yeah we do yeah every, everything's on vinyl and cd and all the platforms yeah no so, kidding yeah, it's legitimate yeah and the first 3 and the singles they were all on smogvale which was frank's label and uh they're legit and uh frank decided uh after he did this big box set for peter Lofner, and after that he decided he didn't want to do it anymore so the last one was on Drome Record, which was Johnny Dromet's label. And I don't know all the details about Johnny, but he's a legend. He lives in California now, and he did some of the graphic artwork on it. But yeah, he, he's yeah. cool. He did all the pagan singles back in the day. Those are the, his label's big claim to fame. Oh, no And kidding. that was like the beginning of Cleveland punk rock, like Dead Boys era stuff. And yeah.
0: So, so, you know. so, be a couple months. Maybe stuff yeah. will start coming out. We usually out.
1: do three or four at a time, and then after that we kind of binge purge. We forget them, and then we go on to write in the next three or four. And uh, then you do that four times, and you got a, another 12-song record. Yeah.
0: Another question I have for you real quick when I'm thinking about it is Gino's place, the, the Gino's at the
1: top of the hill. Santo Ano. Yeah, cento Anno. yeah you, you say it, cento Yeah, you got. Yeah, people ah. are like, hey, Nick, you got Santo Ano. And uh, <laughs> do you ever... Like uh like Americans we turned it into gindan. It means a hundred years of life. Oh. And so that's it's an Italian toast. And just like when you say Chow and it's Italian, a toast. Oh, yeah, I see, yeah, I it see. is. So you'd have a drink and go Jindan. I yeah, got But you. it's Centoan. That's so yeah. I got you. It there you it go. Kind of morphed, yeah. and I'm
0: so glad yeah. we had that. I'm so glad I yeah. mentioned that. I'm not. I can say it right. I right. It's yeah. like an idiot. Yeah.
1: The guys but at the Italian club always get angry. Yeah. Is that, like, they, they, like they, an, they don't like that? It's yeah. Like, hey, get yeah. It right. like a, when you say chow, you know, there's, there's an H sound. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, I was there. Like I said, we did that. We did. A, we recorded our our spectacular thing there. But you've also had a couple concerts there. Not that. Not that. You know, yeah. you, you hit that metal show yeah, there. That's that one, cool. one. Yeah, we did it down in the basement. Right. You know. Are you gonna are you thinking about doing some more of that kind of stuff there? I mean is it, i is,
1: I am, yeah. It what, did work out. It seemed like that was successful. And you know what's really cool there is the floors are concrete and the ceilings. So it's no so, you couldn't you hear nothing, you, dude. dude. You could whisper upstairs and you didn't even know the metal bands were cranking well, loud. You
0: you could kinda hear it when you were upstairs. But, like, outside the place was quiet. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, you sure. couldn't hear nothing. There would so be
1: no noise. Complaints. Yeah, I really yeah. think
0: you could do it. And, yeah. and you know, you couldn't do anything, obviously, real large. But, no, like, just but, a, you but know kind of what, what you
1: did was cool. I want to do a speakeasy down there. Ooh. Kind of like a little, like, maybe put a door with that little thing that you have to, like, knock. And, oh, yeah. like and just, to, you know, something fun. Can I so. be the
0: guy that opens the thing? Yeah, I, yeah, I, right? you, like, would yeah. you hire me to do that, right? please? Yeah. Oh, I would love you that You must answer my route to enter. Oh. Yeah.
1: But it might be cool and these can do tiny great. little acts and uh like that metal show I I, we just kinda did it We'd like uh and it worked out great. They normally did the the Maple Grove for five, four or five times. And uh yeah, yeah, it was cool. It worked out pretty well.
0: Well, I mean the Maple Grove obviously is the better place to do it at because because you just have it set up for just for the right. music thing. I mean it's just but I mean like that that downstairs is kinda intimate. You got its own little bar down there and it's got like it's it's just a nice little setup, but I think that was, I, I just thought it worked out really well. I thought it went, cool. I thought it yeah. went pretty cool. I yeah. thought it'd be cool to do some little stuff like there, like some some of the smaller sure. bands, stuff like that, that Maple
1: Grove's. Yeah, you can uh, maybe have 30, 40, 50 people down. there, right. And that's it, you know. Yeah, where so. Maple
0: Grove might be a little even too big for some some of that stuff. It, this yeah. is like
1: the, the perfect thing yeah, for that. Yeah, it would that. be easy to fill that room, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. it would be it would be cool. It'd and be cool. it's right there. It's a perfect location for anything.
0: Well, yeah, so, and, and it's right like, at the top of the hill yeah. from where we're at right yeah, now. right, right. So, you know, yeah. it's. We could always walk up there. I always love that part of it, man. That's, yeah. our, that's the little go-to. Yeah,
1: I, I, I was mentioning when I got, when I got here, I, I GPSed it just for the hell of it, and it said it's 0.3 miles. And it wouldn't give driving direction, just walking directions. <laughs> so, yeah, we're pretty close. That's awesome yeah
0: all right man that's it we're all done we're all done with time we're out of time this was awesome i really appreciate you coming down thanks
1: for having me again i'm a fan of the show you guys are doing this is you're the next generation i really
0: appreciate that you have no idea
1: 21st century rock and roll grassroots marketing yeah and make sure this is
0: make sure everybody remembers maple grove june 10th yeah starting at 7 o'clock, we're going to be live. We're going to do a podcast live from the Maple Grove. And then at 8 o'clock comes Craig Martini, then Olathea, then Bittersweet Revenge, all three one night. You can get your tickets on levelupcleven.com. Or if you know anybody in the bands, they all have their they have paper tickets. I have paper tickets. Everybody's got those also. You can get your tickets anywhere. But levelupcleven.com is the easiest. All right, that's it. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out.
2: This has been Level Up Cleveland. There's a new episode every week.
0: Available now on all streaming services. You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube.
1: Till next week, rock on. That'll be fine.